0: back. We'll be right back. Welcome back to another episode of Parker's Pensies. This is a podcast where we explore thoughts in philosophy, theology, nature, and life. Now, I know uh, I say that uh, before every podcast, and I explain that this is about, you know, these four categories of things, but many of you have noticed it's been really philosophy heavy. And today we're going to change that. We're going to get into a little bit of nature talk, a little bit of herpetology. Uh, Herpetology comes from the Greek word herpeton, meaning like creeping thing. Uh, But it's herpetology has come to be a subsection of zoology concerned with reptiles and amphibians. So that includes two of my favorite animals, frogs and turtles. So this episode is really special to me because uh, I've been thinking about interviewing this guy for like 10 years. And so way before I started this podcast, uh, I've had this in mind. So I'm really excited for my guest today, John Richards. Now, he's the owner-operator of Loggerhead Acres Turtle Farm, where they specialize in captive bred and licensed alligator snapping turtles. And this is really important work um, for hobbyists like me, but also for people who care about uh, endangered species, because as much as 80% of alligator snapping turtles have been harvested and trapped from the wild in order to be eaten in the turtle meat trade. Now, uh, if you don't know anything about alligator snapping turtles, these are the largest turtles in North America with uh, the, the largest one being verified at, at like 247 pounds. So these are beasts. Um, before we get in, if you're interested in, in seeing some more pictures and buying one of these turtles yourselves, go to turtleman.com and find all the facts you need in order to keep them, in order to get the right permit information, all that good stuff for your state. So without further ado, John, thanks for coming on the podcast, man.
1: Oh, my pleasure, Parker. My pleasure, my friend.
0: So, my love for alligator snapping turtle started when I was a kid. My dad brought home a common snapping turtle, a little hatchling. It looked like a little baby dinosaur it looked like a toy, and we thought for, you know, a couple of months that it may have it may be an alligator snapping turtle. And then uh I spent all this time I was in first grade looking in the uh, all the books in the library at school and found out it's it's a common snapping turtle. But that ignited my love for for snapping turtles in general, for turtles in general. And so that's where I started um, with just this little tiny hatchling. I wanted to ask you, you know, how did you get into uh, loving turtles?
1: Well, remarkably similar to your story, Parker, (laughs) I grew up in uh, South Kansas City as a child. And there was a little creek ran through my backyard, which flowed into a pretty predominant river. And Uh, the snappers would come up the creek in the, you know, moving in the spring and I would find them. And, you know, as soon as I was probably four or five years old, I was going down the Creek and uh, I would find sometimes a hatchling. And just like you, I thought it might be an alligator snapper and it wasn't, it was out of the range for them and, and not, but boy, how I wanted it to be. Uh, But really, that kind of just started my interest. I started, uh, as soon as I could read, just vacuuming up every bit of knowledge I could that was written, all of the contemporary books and even older books at the time. Um, And uh, I was able to, when I was um, in about 1967, I guess it was, I would have been nine, I ordered one mail order from um, a place in Fort Wayne, Indiana, wow a a hatchling for (laughs) five dollars holy cow days before there was even ups it came special delivery mail service (laughs) airport and pick it up but you know that's how it got started for me and uh and more and more was just written about the animal and i found myself finding more information but um You know, the big deal for me probably was when Pritchard's, Dr. Pritchard's book came out, the biology and conservation of the alligator snapper Yep. out in the eighties. It really, uh, was in depth. And for me, it was, it, it kind of became the Rosetta stone of, of where I wanted to, I mean, I knew the animals were being butchered even in the, in the eighties, they were being butchered heavily. And, uh, louisiana and arkansas for the meat trade and they were just decimating the species i mean going into bios and 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 swamps and sections of river and uh just basically taking out whole populations uh, adult populations and uh um you know just kind of on a whimsical deal i i uh, uh, ended up down in arkansas at a place where they were butchering turtles, basically from sun up to sundown, and it was wow. real in the summer. It was all alligator snappers They were coming from all over, uh, you know, the South United States, coming to this processing uh, place, and and uh, it was a sad deal, but it was legal, and uh, uh, I was drawn to it because I knew it was key to going, you know trying to rescue some of these animals, bringing them back to my farm. This was even before I had my, my farm here. Um, so, uh, it was quite a deal. I ended up, uh, pulling alligator snapping turtles out of Louisiana and Arkansas for a number of years that were going to be butchered and eventually ended up with them here at, uh, my farm in Missouri. And, uh, you know, crazy deal. Much to my surprise, those animals really survived well, bringing them back, uh, in some cases, 500 miles north into a <laughs> climate, into a completely different geography. Yeah. And, uh, and they've really prospered, like way beyond what I would have thought for a wild caught animals. I mean, yeah. captive bred, they can really withstand a lot of uh, variances. But, wild caught that's a different story you know that right yeah they're
0: used to their environment they grew up in they're used to the water parameters and the stuff they've been eating yeah
1: that that, and then throw on top of being caught in a trap with turtles and scratched up handled by trappers thrown in barrels and whatever would hold water and wait till i come down to get them which sometimes was a couple of weeks Uh, as I was working as for a number of years as a a, a full-time chef, not cooking turtles, by the way. Uh, (laughs) That's good. But um, going down to Louisiana when I had my days off and I'd go down there two or three times a month in the summer. But, you know, and I'm not saying everyone survived, but really I'd say 98%, uh, you know, did, did well. And uh, Mm -hmm. so, you know, there's just things going into this, uh, you know, building this farm and this. There was just things that I couldn't know that mm-hmm. well, luckily for me happened to break my way. And, you know, sometimes I still look back on it and just go, wow.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, so um, with, the, with the food industry, there's the, the story that I always hear is that it was like Campbell's Soup was making turtle soup cans and they were the ones harvesting out. It, was that your experience? Was this for turtle soup? Were people making turtle kebabs? What, what was the deal? Well, here?
1: Campbell's did have a big uh, contract with one trapper down in South East United States down in Georgia, Mr. Al Redmond. He would uh, and he was a really uh, sophisticated trapper and that he had a team. They traveled with refrigerated trucks. They would do <clears>
0: uh,
1: 40. Sixty miles of river at a time, uh, and you know it doesn't take long before you really ding up a population when you're putting that kind of concerted effort yeah. to it. But yeah, Campbell's was big, but then Campbell's caught the PR wrap of it all and and, and dropped that. Uh, many states in the Southeast United States, being Georgia, Florida, Alabama, were, were that early. Campbell's soup uh contract was was really uh decimating uh populations that that Campbell's called it quits and mm. but the damage <laughs> the damage had been really done and uh, but Louisiana was another thing because you've got uh all that Cajun population down south and that's that was a delicacy to them the turtle meat right. so it was still went on um They were pulling turtles out of Arkansas because they had trapped so many in in Louisiana that they had basically thinned them out so hard it wasn't worth trapping in there anymore. Hmm. So they were hitting Mississippi and uh, Arkansas, western Kentucky and Tennessee. And um, just a sad deal. I mean, when you extirpate them at the local level, the logical thing is to just keep branching out and even when it goes into other states, and that's exactly what was going on here. But they did protect him in Arkansas in '93, and then the final linchpin was protecting him in Louisiana in 2004. But gosh, it just went on so long, and yeah. you know, I know when it was going to end. The Game and Fish in Louisiana was really tight-lipped about how long they were going to let harvest go. I was rooting for them to close it down from the Mm. get-go but you know state governments move slow they've kind of got the attitude down there that that nothing could be endangered in our state because we've got so much environment Uh, that's doesn't really hold water uh when when money's involved and people can make money at something pretty you know relatively easy like trapping turtles but um that being said, you know, we got through all that. They got the turtle protected in 2004, and it has come back hmm. uh, amazingly in the 16 years. Uh, the reports are very favorable. If you, as you've seen, uh, some of the uh, guys that uh, end up with them in their traps down there in Louisiana that aren't necessarily going for alligator snapping turtles but end up with them in their trap have reported hmm. very favorable uh uh, resurgence of the population so that is amazing to me and I'm very pleased that that happened uh, or, or is happening yeah because this species as long as they take to mature 16 to 20 years in the wild all you're doing is is, is you, you there's a waiting game after you've taken the adults out because you've got to wait for the juveniles and the sub-adults to uh come up to age to start you know laying eggs and uh but it's i'm just pleased to report that it, it really looks like the species has come back well as well on its way in louisiana
0: so. yeah well and that's a that's a key point i wanted to bring up that the the maturing age can you say that range again is it it's 16 to 18 years or
1: 20 years um yeah they're a species that, that they're going to grow more when it's warm and they're feeding. They're going to grow a little faster in the south than they will in the north end of the range. And the north end of the range is really just kind of about where I am. Um, it was southern Missouri um, the, uh, would be like uh, Kentucky, the western end of Kentucky on the Mississippi side. Uh, these are really more of a lowland turtle. They don't come much up into the Um, mountains or up into the highlands they tend to stick in the 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 well-defined rivers and uh, um, oxbow sloughs and such but it appears that turtles from the south end of the range can withstand the same temperatures extremes as turtles from the north end of the range so Hmm. that is something we've learned here that you could take a turtle from the i-10 corridor down around baton rouge and bring it Five hundred miles north to uh, southern Missouri, and I've had as much as a foot of ice on my ponds and yeah. uh, extreme winters. We never lose a turtle. Um, yeah, you know, they even though down where that turtle came from, the, you would never even have a, a skin, of, skin of ice skin <laughs> of ice water. So,
0: right. Uh, yeah, just a, a really hardy hardy turtle. When you leave them alone, when you stop commercially harvesting them, uh, the, the the difference between the alligator snapping turtle and the common snapping turtle. So a lot of people uh, in Ohio and in, in, in rural Illinois, a lot of people who have grown up eating, you know, turtle soup, and they say, yeah, I got me a a, a gator snapper. And it's like, well, you, you probably didn't if you're in the Midwest. Uh, right. You're probably eating common snapping turtles. And that's not as big of a deal because it it doesn't take as long for them to mature. They can mature and they can lay eggs much quicker than an alligator snapper
1: truth is you would have to have a hellish industry to ever put a dent in the common snapping turtle population because they can, you know, they can, female can lay eggs and, and uh, you know, probably six or seven years. Um, they lay more eggs. They hmm. live in a wider variety of environments. They can pick up and move from point A to point B from uh, pond to uh, other ponds relatively yeah. They're just a really, really prolific species. Alligator snapping turtle just doesn't have that luxury of being able to pick up and move. They're kind of confined to where they are in uh, Gulf draining rivers and bios and 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 uh, waterways, and they kind of are where they are. Unless somebody puts them in a in a new river, they won't get there.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So here in Illinois, where I'm at, uh, I have to have a permit for these because they're listed as a uh, endangered species. Um, and, and I guess in Southern Illinois that they, they find them or they've, they've at least put they them back in
1: there. Down around Cairo, probably some tributaries to the Ohio river, I would there And, and, and I, I've never uh, traveled, uh, South, uh, West or Southeast, uh, Illinois. But I assume there's bios and swamps, and yeah. uh, it gets, you know, pretty lowland down there because it is the Mississippi Basin. That there would mm-hmm. be uh, some decent populations. I don't know. I know they've found numerous alligator snapping turtles in Illinois over the years, um, but I don't know what the overall population density is. I don't think it's great compared. Yeah, I
0: don't to, think so either.
1: Uh, you know. It, It's because it's on the, some of it, it, it's going to be because it's on the northern end of the range. You're just going to have a thinning as you're getting to the outskirts of the range. Um, And, you know, as you get further south into, you know, uh, Kentucky and then Tennessee and then Mississippi, uh, you know, the populations are going to be more frequent and just more turtles as you get deeper into the heart of the range which would be uh, really those Gulf states, uh, Louisiana, East Texas, Mississippi, Alabama, Panhandle of Florida, Southwest Georgia. Um, And they do come up here into Missouri, but not statewide. And of course, they're really uh, small range in Illinois that, Mm -hmm. that hugs that Mississippi River and that southern border with the Ohio River.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um, folks listening, if, if you're not in that uh, Mississippi drainage area and you look outside and you find a little snapping turtle, it's a common snapping turtle. And people, a, Yeah, it's it just it's going to be because they live in rivers. Uh, common snapping turtles, as John was saying, they live in puddles. They live everywhere. They're super. Uh, they, pluri- <laughs> yeah.
1: They can yeah. live in any environment. And that's what makes them so hardy. Yeah. The alligator snapping turtle doesn't end up in floods and stuff mm-hmm. like that they do and they end up in places where they don't belong but that's kind of true with 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 anything during a flood they just kind of you know sprawl out everywhere but yes more than likely if you found a, a snapping turtle in the midwest it's likely a common snapping turtle because just like their name implies they are common
0: yeah yeah, and they're still awesome. It doesn't mean it's a it's a, a bad deal to to find one of these. That, I, I love all types of snapping turtles. Uh, so, what what I wanted to ask you about was we we got a little bit of the history of um, you know why you love them, and then uh, into you know you going down and saving them. How many? If you could guess, how many did you save from the from the turtle meat market?
1: Oh. Over a thousand, we got uh, um, a lot of them into zoos and educational exhibits um, worldwide before they uh-huh. went CITES, which is a, a, a layered protection to, uh, basically it's an acronym for Convention on the International Trade of Endangered Species, but it, it basically it means you just can't ship animals willy-nilly out of the country unless they're documented and in this case you wouldn't be able to ship wild-caught animals out of the country without special permission from our government and uh so a lot of them ended up in uh, educational exhibits zoos and stuff like that out of the country before cites in 2006 and you know i still uh put a lot of them in educational exhibits for taking to schools and stuff like that um and then my own population of adults is somewhere around 550. I mean, we can track how many nests we dig a year. We dig maybe 330 some odd nests a year. Um so I know that I've got minimum 330 adult females. The males I I I'm just guessing somewhere around uh you know uh, 150, 100 75 who knows you know but.
0: holy cow and these are tur- these are big turtles folks these are really big turtles They've been are-
1: 40 pounds
0: yeah are are they all in that pond that you have at, at your farm
1: yeah they are and they've dug cool. all under the banks and created like caverns up under the banks and in the tree roots of the trees that grow around there and they've just carved it up to basically create the environment that they want and Uh, they all, they have about the right body fat of what I want. Uh, they're a lean animal that is not really a, ever really get fat. Mm -hmm. Uh, so you, you, you don't want to, uh, make those turtles heavy. Uh, they're not meant to be that way. And, uh, uh, so, you know, I take a look at at animals, uh, occasionally, and they just kind of do a spot check and, uh, and. Amazingly, it doesn't look like really anybody's getting picked on or underfed. Everything in there that I sample, uh, and basically just by looking them over, uh, mm-hmm. looks great. And like I said, Parker, just one of those things you just could never guess that things would go that way. right? But they did, and um, kind of amazing. But um, uh, it still kind of surprises me that, you know, we dig... Uh, right in the neighborhood of 6,000 eggs a year out of, uh, out of the pond. And, um, it's, I think any biologist or academic would, uh, take a look at the, the pond and, and you tell them you dig 6,000 eggs out of there a year and how many adults are in there. And they would just say, no, no.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, Oh man, there's so many trails I want to I want to chase down here. But uh okay, just for folks at home, one one of the reasons why it's important to have so many eggs uh, is for the pet trade. So the more turtles and the more available they are as these little hatchlings from, from the from John's turtle farm, the more people will be willing to buy them and the less people will go and poach them themselves, So less they're going to go into the river and try to take them. Because if you can go onto his website and buy a turtle easily after you check the permits for your place, that's much safer for you than breaking the law and stealing them. And so a lot of people who would break the law won't because they're available.
1: It's that plus just the awareness and education of bringing one of these into a home, just say in a neighborhood of a family and then, Kids in the neighborhood get educated and aware and understand the difference between common snappers and alligator snappers, and and uh, you know that's how you uh, uh, that's how you spurn people into kids into gaining an interest and then going on and studying them and and in, in, in college and uh, and furthering the uh, scientific um, study of the turtle. Uh, yeah. i you know even to, to, to this day I, there's people that have bought turtles from me 20 years ago that go on to college study herpetology end up doing field studies on alligator snappers and population densities and stuff like that and you know that's how that's how you get that going is to mm. create awareness and and you know create a spark in somebody that wow, this is something I really want to work with. And at this point, I've done this 25 years. <laughs> there's a lot of kids been affected and, uh, yeah. you know, and, and in a positive way. So that's, a another, un, it's not an unintended consequence, but it's, it's kind of a, it's, it's good. And, uh, I'm real pleased that, that we, did that.
0: yeah, well, you know, I'm one of those kids. I I've been, uh, My whole life wanted one of these guys and we looked up your website when I was young and for whatever reason, we, my my dad uh, just wouldn't pull the trigger on it. And so then as soon as I was out of the house, I said, I'm getting a snapping turtle from this dude. I'm finally, finally going to do it. And so, yeah, man, I'm, I'm one of the ones who you helped inspire and I would never eat, you know, a wild turtle. I I wouldn't eat a snapping turtle. And so there's even that aspect. (laughs) What's that?
1: I wouldn't either.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and so even that you know so you've encouraged me to research more. I have snapping turtles because of you, and then also you just changed a, a piece of the culture at least where the the desire for that huge trade that the huge meat market to come back is going to be at least one person less because of this.
1: Yes, and, and you know another thing too that that really is uh, interesting about the species. You can't just demand answers on everything and have them. I mean. You know, you can pose questions and get, you know, educated input, but things about this species that we don't understand. Right. And we may never understand. And you just kinda have to come to grips to that. They're a turtle that's very difficult to study. They live in the same environment with cotton mouths, alligators, mosquitoes, and just, you know, undesirable type swampy uh you know situations that most people find difficult to do field work on.
0: Yeah, uh,
1: I mean it's it's not easy work, and it has to be done in the in the warm months. So you're going to be out there with the the cottonmouths and the mosquitoes and the alligators. Uh, so uh, the species itself is you know takes a a little bit of uh, a daunting individual to not to mention. They snap <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so, uh there's just a lot of things that you know make would discourage people from wanting to uh study them in depth in their natural environment so yeah um, but there's more and more people as as we've seen on some of the facebook groups and stuff like that there are some really educated uh uh academics out there that um I really bring a new light to a lot of uh, uh, questions with the species. And I I, I think that's great. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: yeah absolutely. Um, I saw a video, uh, maybe it was Greg uh, Whitstock. Uh, someone made a video of, of them shipping in a bunch of carp to your pond.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it isn't really ship, uh, but... Uh, I have a deal going with the local bow fishermen. They have these carp derbies where they'll go out and, uh, uh, put up, a, pay their little entry fees. And they have sponsors, put up prizes and stuff. And they'll go out and shoot these invasive carps. The, uh, um, the silvers, the big heads, the grass carp and uh, common carp. And,
0: uh, you guys have flying carp down there too.
1: No, they don't come into the Ozarks. They actually come to um, the dam that makes Lake of the Ozarks. Uh, okay. But they haven't gotten up into the – they they don't really come up into the elevation much. Uh, okay. They stay down really towards the Mississippi, Missouri River, and okay. the Illinois River. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, they, there's no shortage of invasive carp to shoot. And when they're done with them, they don't want to, they don't eat them. And Mm. I really appreciate the fact that I can get fresh organic food for my animals. I'm not feeding them hormone and antibiotic laden chicken, or uh, I'm feeding them natural food and uh, it's just really worked out well. And the interesting thing is, you know, these guys that shoot these fish and I want to get lost in this, but a lot of them are very ecologically minded sportsmen that, that deer hunt and and turkey hunt. And they like the idea that at at least something is being used. Yeah. It's an invasive species. It doesn't belong in our waters. It puts pressure on other indigenous species uh, that we hold dear. but it it still is, they feel better if they're, if these animals are not just being run through a shredder uh, (laughs) Oh, buried in a hole in the ground that they're going to something uh to some you know some cause and so it's really worked out great and i get all the fish that i really want or need and it's a beautiful thing so
0: yeah yeah that's awesome if you can reuse it and and take the a bad situation with all these carp and turn it into a good situation of helping you know reproduce these alligator snapping turtle that's awesome
1: oh yeah we're just Uh, tripping other thanking each other they're they're thanking me for taking these fish they don't want to bury in the ground and i'm thanking them for fresh organic food for my animals and it's just uh it's all good
0: yeah so you said you're you're digging around six thousand nests uh uh season eggs are you, eggs yeah yeah eggs yeah yeah okay um that's a little bit different <laughs> but still an insane amount yeah are you uh is this full time for you? And do you have employees at, at the farm?
1: Um, my son works, you know, lives here and works with me. It doesn't require tons of uh, um, uh, of upkeep with the animals. I mean, they're in a a, a pond that that flushes itself and doesn't mm-hmm. really with with fresh water every time we have a rain. And uh, uh, Sky helps. My son's name Skyler. We call him Sky. He helps dig, dig eggs and. And uh, just helps around the farm here. But one thing you said earlier that I think is is really important, the best thing you can do with these animals is just leave them alone. Mm -hmm. You know, we feed them probably 15 times a summer. um, uh, And we we try to kind of top them off. And then there's about seven months of the year they don't eat. They won't eat in October, November, December, January, February, March. (laughs) And about towards the end of April, we'll start, um, you know, put a thousand pounds of fish out there and uh, they'll make it all go away. And uh, But the idea is to keep them well fed, but not obese, keep mm-hmm. them that that lean, that, 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 you know, the way they're found in the wild, uh, which is a lean species, which you wouldn't think that. You'd think, oh, they get big and fat. The species really doesn't.
0: Um, yeah they're they're, well so they're reptiles first and foremost and 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 reptiles when they're adults they don't have to eat every day they can go depending on the species can go a long time without eating and then secondly the alligator snappers uh don't move a lot they i know they they come out to hunt and forage and, and there's been some new research on that uh lately at night they'll do that but uh even when they're young you know they got that vermiform lure in their mouth you guys need to go look up Some pictures, uh, go to John's website and and check out all the different pictures he has from the years. They have this thing called a uh, vermiform. It's a lure, and it fills with blood when fish come. And they lure the fish to them instead of having to go chase them down like a common snapping turtle would.
1: I might point out that that is most effectively used when they're hatchlings. And Hmm. they almost exclusively on the mosquito fish, also known as the gambusia. And most people would, they, they are the North American guppy. Mm-hmm. And they aren't fancy looking like the South or Central American guppies, but they are live bearers. And uh, being a mosquito fish, they eat mosquito larva. Well, what does that little vermiform lure look like? Yep. Looks like mosquito larva. So uh, now they do lure as uh, juveniles and subadults, And I even have a crazy photo it just blew me away in my pond of a about a sixty pounder luring in a clear little section of the pond, and I don't usually you, that animal would see you and just shut up and and just lay low. But that turtle really let us photo. Only thing I've ever seen like that in twenty five years in that pond. But a really good photo, and I think that's on our Facebook page, mm-hmm. and. And I'm sure it's on our Instagram too, but very interesting that a, a turtle that large luring, uh, especially in about six inch shallow water. But very very interesting photo of that. You can see the lure. You can actually see the lure kind of jumping and uh, uh, like a worm would um, would wiggle. And yeah,
0: uh, I love that. I actually I have saved that picture to my uh, to my laptop here, and it's really it's really interesting as. The lure grows with the turtle, and it's, yeah. kind of, it's weird to think about that, but not really if you're thinking the turtle's growing and he wants to lure in different-sized fish. So when he's really small, it looks like a little red worm, looks like a little mosquito larva, and then as it grows, it's looking like a different-sized worm. And that picture that you took, it looks like there's a nightcrawler in this turtle's yeah. mouth. That's going to lure in a panfish or something. Truth
1: of the matter is if that turtle's sitting on the bottom, Of a river or lake, and it's 60 pounds and it's luring like that. The chances are that it's going to get something like a large crayfish Mm -hmm. or even like a stink pot turtle or some smaller turtle would go through its jaws, not necessarily to get the worm, could be see the worm, but could more or less be a random blunder of just Mm -hmm. walking the wrong place at the wrong time. And as you know, those turtles are so patient, they will sit there for hours. Yeah. Underwater, luring, the most patient fishermen you've ever seen. Yep. And, uh, you know, uh, they just have all the time in the world. And eventually they score. And, you know, I run into folks, especially with the hatchlings, That and this goes back to what you were saying just a little bit ago, about them not necessarily needing to eat all the time. And that's very true. People will get a hatchling and they think it needs to eat every day. Or if it doesn't eat for a couple of days, they're worried about it. Truth is, they're not baby birds. They're not baby rabbits. They are reptiles. They have low metabolisms, slow respiration rate, very uh, different, and could literally go uh, uh, weeks, if not months, without food, and and be all right. And yeah. that's goes against the grain of what most hobbyists. <laughs> Uh, they get nervous if their animal doesn't eat for, for, you know, three or four days. And that's just nothing for these things. Um, right. Really isn't. Yeah. Especially so, cats that have just absorbed their yolk sac and they're full and they're fat. They may, they may go two and a half, three weeks before they, they, to, generally speaking, it's just a few days before they, uh, before they begin luring. And when they start luring with that mouth open, you know they're ready to eat <laughs>
0: yeah yeah so uh john you got so many turtles hatching every year are you able to sell all of those turtles or are you donating to various uh, states dnr to repopulate what What happens to these turtles
1: no i wish that um more states would um uh kind of sign on with a uh captive bred release program that where Say, like, I offered your state, Illinois. Uh, it's been some years, but I believe it was two hundred a year. I wanted to enter a like a ten a year contract with them that I would supply them. But I don't know. You know, state DNRs and like my Department of Conservation. I've offered them the same deal. They get kind of wobbly. Need and oh, we don't know. You know, if we can. You know. <laughs> they kind of work on their own programs, which is just kind of small scale. I mean, yeah. I, if, if we could, you know, just say Missouri, well, we don't have a huge range, just like Illinois. We don't have a huge range of alligator snapping turtles, but, you know, it, that wouldn't take uh, a mathematician to figure out that if you raised 200 a year to four inches and released them in suitable, protected environment, that you would probably have north of an 80% survival uh, survivorship to adulthood. And you could really plant the seeds for the future. I mean, you could go into areas that you know that these turtles have formerly been abundant or is good and select that environment, um, protect them as far as, you know, no uh, trotline fishing, no limb lines, no hoop nets. (laughs) <laughs> excuse me and uh, you really could effectively plant the seeds for 20 years down the road um, but state agencies sometimes are slow to move they're slow to accept help and mm-hmm. they they kind of like you know to move at a snail's pace it seems like and so I'm patiently waiting, but I'm not holding my breath that Illinois or Missouri will uh, ever uh, uh, accept any mouse. I do know and I've read of individuals in Louisiana, especially, that uh, raise small amounts of them and let them go. Uh, re- re- either let the hatchlings go right away or raise them up and let them go. And I kind of refer to those as black ops projects because they're... <laughs> Of the approval of the government, state Mm -hmm. government, but the state government realizes that in some states that that they just need to let this go and there is no harm being done. It is legal for them to still have alligator snapping turtles in Louisiana to collect um, by fishing or whatever to 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 eat them. There is just no sale of the alligator snapping.
0: Uh, Oh, okay.
1: So they get rid of the commerce end of it pretty effectively by banning the sale. And then, of course, if you leave the state with it and sell it or something, then the then its federal laws have been vi- violated. And um, but at any rate, uh, um, as far as the reintroduction program goes, um, there is really nothing huge going on, and my hope is that the animal can uh, come back on its own. And, and, and it really looks like that's the indications we're seeing.
0: Yeah. That's really helpful. One of my dreams would be in, you know, 20 years or whatever that my turtles would be ready to go and I could donate some eggs to Illinois DNR. uh, If I'm still living here, who knows, you know, maybe I'll move South and try to make my own pond kind of thing. But, I would love to do that, help out with Blandings and Spotted Turtles and Alligator Snappers because, you know, uh, Blandings and spotteds get uh, their habitat destroyed. And so I don't think it's been the meat market like Alligator Snappers, but they're putting up parking lots in every marsh ever, you know, yeah. and all around Chicagoland's. It's really a big marsh, but they pave over everything.
1: They do. And I, and I don't want to take a bunch of time, but I noticed on one of my train trips into downtown Chicago from the the suburbs that there was just tons of of blandings. I mean, just lowland, uh, uh even in the, the, the urbans, uh, some of it, you know, and, and, we just don't have, that's why we don't have blandings turtles that we don't have those, uh, marshy sloughs and yeah. stuff like that. And, and it, those turtles are environmentally specific, the blandings and the spotted and <clears throat> you take away the environment, you take away the turtle and of yeah. course building roads, just, they just, uh, get hammered on the highways and and roads and that's just another part of environmental destruction if you ask me building roads and highways
0: yeah definitely and so so you know you've inspired me looking at your I had no idea the the scale that you were doing until we talked right now uh, with the amount that you have but you've definitely inspired me and I know you've inspired others to to get to work on on alligator snappers but also on other species like the blandings and the spotted and so that's something that I could do here i could make my own pond and start that going the problem with illinois is you're not you're not allowed to breed your uh, endangered species yet and i think they're working on some le- legislation so hopefully you know the next five ten years we can get that going but uh yeah we'll see
1: i'm telling you you can't do something but they won't tell you why Yeah. And and this that may very well be one of those things. And they've come to the realization, well, we don't really have any good reason why someone couldn't breed an endangered species. As long as it wasn't taken from the wild.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I mean, it is your property. There is property laws. (laughs)
0: Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's So true. So um, keeping keeping going here. uh, Just a random question. I don't know if you'll have an answer for this. How old do you think your uh, your oldest turtle is?
1: Well, I will generalize it this way. I have some females that, oh my gosh, just look like Methuselahs. They're just war- the shells, the keels almost worn off, all grayed out, look like they're over 100 years old. And they looked like that 20 and 25 years ago. And they're wow. still in, cranking out eggs every year. I, I, I really believe that this turtle goes 150 to 200 years
0: uh
1: relatively common for them to do that but if you think about it the the thing is is when did these animals first become captive bred who has actually done a study a natural study to where a hatchling grew at a natural rate and someone could would, would track it for 100 years well you know, we we just be it'd be nineteen twenty and I don't know of anybody doing anything a hundred years ago with hatchling the alligator stamp. So you, you have captive bred animals, which you know, the diet may not be the same. The growth hmm. certainly isn't gonna be the same. That tells me the aging process isn't gonna be the same. These animals probably aren't going to live as long because they're not eating the the the, the natural diet. And I'm telling you, these leaner animals are going to live longer. Hmm. They're they're going to live longer. Um, Heavy animals aren't any healthier than heavy people. um, You know, some of these, um, it's a a rule of thumb uh, to some that if you had a 150-pound turtle that was caught out of the wild, that animal is likely about a pound a year at, a, at about 150 pounds. Um, wow. That obviously is not exact, but I think that is a pretty good rule on a wild caught animal hmm. uh, that, you know, has not been uh, uh, overfed or even really plumped up just, you know, making its living day by day. And, yeah. uh, and I, I strongly believe these animals go 150 to 200. And 100 is a it, it, at 100 years old that just is a relatively common thing.
0: Yeah, which is just so insane to to go back in your history book and see what was going on when this turtle was a hatchling.
1: <laughs> well, it, about this too when you go in and trap uh, they, when they were trapping him and you go into an area and just take out all the adults, uh, you're removing a huge amount of the eggs that would be deposited in the ground. And Mm -hmm. you know, those, those nests are predated on by raccoons, uh, uh, armadillos, skunks, what possums. And you, you, you need a large population to, uh, to where, you know, one or 2% of, of the hatchlings make it to adulthood. And the less, Eggs you have in the ground, um, you know, it 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 hurts that propelling that breeding population forward when you're missing almost all of the adults. Yeah, have, have been uh, have been trapped out. So it's it's you know it's a daunting thing, but you know nature finds its way, and I think this species is uh, uh, a, a lot more diverse. Than hmm. uh, environmentally, they've discovered populations in areas that they did not think that, that that would be an adequate environment. And they're finding that, yeah, these animals have been living in here a long, long time and doing quite well. So there's still a lot being learned. Still yeah.
0: A lot being learned. So how many how many eggs in a clutch per, uh, average, do you think?
1: I would say 28, uh, 28 to 32, something in there. Um, I'd say if you looked at all, on my ledger sheets of all the nests that we have dug and we, we track them day by day, each day that they lay every year, I'd say the average number is probably 28.
0: Wow. Yeah. That is not what you'd expect knowing, you know, uh, common snappers can lay up to like 40 or so
1: <laughs> common snappers can like 70, or 75.
0: Whoa. Holy cow.
1: Yeah. And, yeah. And much smaller. And another thing with the common snappers, when 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 she's gravid and just full of eggs, that turtle looks like you know ten pounds of meat stuffed in a five pound sack, <laughs> and, or shell. <laughs> and uh, uh, the alligator snapper never quite gets like that uh, extreme, bloated up with eggs. Hmm. But they are considerably bigger the turtles, considerably bigger. Hmm. And, and alligator snapper matures at a shell length of 14 to 15 inches uh, somewhere around 28 pounds 26 28 pounds on the average and um and as they get bigger and you won't find any females much bigger than 60 pounds oh yeah there, there's been a few in the 70s and stuff but but uh, and and those animals will go up into the upper 30s and lower 40s i think like last year the biggest nest we dug was i think i think we did a 46 or 48 there were several of them well okay um yes there's a lot of 20s and 22s you know yeah
0: yeah 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 that's so interesting to think about so um just a couple more questions here for you. thanks again for all your time do you have any idea how big your your biggest male is
1: no, you you know, I could guess maybe 130 to 150 pounds, you don't know, oh. you see their heads out there. And, and of course, some individuals have just a little bigger heads than others. So, but, uh, you know, you can't just on demand yank a turtle out of that pond, it's, right? Uh, you set a trap out there, you'll get six or eight in there and it's just a nightmare. You can't even get the trap out of the water. It's so heavy and yeah. just a, a hornet's nest. But you know, at this point, Parker, we are just content watching these animals mm-hmm. um, observing them. It's such a beautiful thing to watch them basically they they believe they're in their natural environment they're they're wild, they are skittish mm-hmm. uh, you know, at feeding time, they do come up uh, they stay underwater, but you can see bubbles they, they they when they hear the tractor coming, it's usually bringing a a, a bucket a cubic yard of fish <laughs> and, and Tyler's known when when he fires up that tractor boy they just but you don't see them they're down yeah. on the bottom and the water's cloudy but uh, uh that's about as tame as as, as, as it's probably ever going to get and uh, and I'm really surprised we've gotten that far there's no hand feeding or anything sure. <laughs> that in the that pond. They just yeah. wouldn't have anything to do. Uh, they, you know, they're just super reclusive animals and I want them to stay that way.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a reason they, they live so long and they get so big cause they're smart and they're, you know, they're skittish and they keep to themselves and they're calm
1: Yeah, But the funny thing is, you know, the common snappers are so bold, and I actually raised them for several years, and those things would actually come out of the feeding time, and they'll eat pellets, they'll eat fish, they don't even care what you put in there, but they'll come out of the water and come up to your feet. Yeah. And so, you know, there's just a, you know, a a chasm of difference between uh, Calidra, the common snapper, and Macroquemies, the alligator snapper, and that they both have you know, long tails, and they both snap, but you know, there's huge differences in their uh, just the way they go about their business, and uh, uh, and their the alligator snapping turtle will literally run. I mean, will retreat from you. <laughs> will nothing to do in the wild. Will scurry away. And common snappers they don't really want much to do with, but they're much bolder. They'll come up and clean off a string or a fish that you've caught hanging from the dock or the boat. Alligator snapper, unless it was completely left alone and there wasn't any, they wouldn't be anywhere near where people are. They can see the vibes. They can feel it and don't want anything to do with it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um, are are you still? I saw that Greg um, Whitstock. He he got a um, big mail from you. Are you still? Uh, are you still like donating, selling to like like Bass Pro kind of places?
1: Um, not really. I mean, I've kind of quit taking adults out of my um, my breeder pond. They've just there's. I mean, I've just noticed they they're doing so good. They hmm. seem so and everything just going right. I don't have the heart to yank them out of there and yeah. put them in anything artificial. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I mean, I used to do it, you know, uh, and, and Greg's was actually the last, <coughs> excuse me, the last turtle that I, um, um, that I took out of there and that's been a uh, couple years mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and he hounded me pretty good for it too. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he's another one of those guys who's just grown up his whole life wanting a, a alligator snapping turtle. Yeah,
1: and he can write the check, so, you know.
0: <laughs> That's great. Um, how, how about poaching? Is poaching uh, still a significant thing? I know I see people in China, I follow them on Instagram, and it seems like they're poaching from the States. Uh, um, is, is that I, so concerned?
1: No, I don't think so. I know that it, it happens on a minor scale. I don't think you can get away with with much these days uh, okay. without getting caught and without people being found out. It'd be really difficult to get anything out of the country uh, without taking a major risk Okay, uh, because of the sighty status they have. Uh, you know that there's people that catch them and uh, uh, states that it's outlawed, that there's no possession limit and they're eating them. But this turtle did not get endangered and threatened from people taking them home to eat them. Is that something I want to see? No. Right. But it's the commercial end of it. It's where the money gets involved. It's where you get commercial trappers and refrigerated yeah. trucks and 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 places where you take these animals to butcher and and distribute. That's how they get endangered. It isn't, you know, uh, a poor family in the panhandle of Florida that you know is looking for dinner for a couple of nights, right? And that's my feeling. No, I don't like to see these animals butchered and I would never do that. But, you know, to be fair, that isn't what got them in the situation they're in. It was the commercial industry that did. Yeah, it.
0: what a great, that's a great point. Yeah, Get um, money, so-
1: but you know, it's quite a different thing to to take something and uh, out of the wild and take it home and feed your family versus setting up a commercial enterprise and selling them and uh and you would not get away with that for very long at all yeah. uh there was a couple of years ago uh a, a bus that was ha- happened down in louisiana they were running them over to texas and uh feds got involved and i think those boys are in prison
0: wow yeah i love i love to see that kind of progress that we've made uh, in protecting these guys And that, like you said, it's encouraging to know that this couldn't happen. You couldn't do a commercial operation very long without getting caught and and getting Uh, in trouble for it.
1: Not in the days of uh, the uh, Internet and forums. And uh, it might go on for a short span, but uh, um, it wouldn't last long. It just wouldn't.
0: Well, okay. So that brings me to the the last question here. So John, what happens after you? Is there any, is there any, um, plans to expand? Is there any, do your, does your son is, will he take over? You know, what, what happens next?
1: Well, he knows everything I know about the, um, care of the adults, when to feed them, how to feed them, the fish hookups, you know, the, the carp derbies, uh, uh he knows how to dig eggs better than i do he can find nests better than i can hmm. uh you know what you know i am happy to report that i'm in to my knowledge in relatively good health. <laughs> yeah, <difficult>. it wasn't <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah it's there's something that uh because you could never get all the animals out of that right that point. right yeah i mean you couldn't it would be a fool's errand uh They didn't dig up in the mud. They're going to get up underneath the banks, you know, and actually kind of pack in there like sardines. When, if if somebody was to drain the pond, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it's something we're going to have to work on. have to work on, but, uh, you know, sky's 27 years old and in good health. So, Mm um, they, uh, if I would happen to suddenly pass, they would have a good caretaker. Um, the problem we're running into is uh, that we're seeing is that turtles of nests that we missed like 20 years ago and more are now starting to become mature and are um, uh, adding to the collective of uh, of eggs laid every year. Last year we, we had been re- re- uh digging fifty five, fifty six hundred eggs since about since about two thousand six or seven. Well, yeah. for, for fifty five, fifty six hundred. Well, the year before last we had a crazy spike that I uh, just blew us away. All of a sudden we're digging like sixty three hundred and some change. Whoa. Well you could explain away maybe a hundred and fifty eggs as well we just found more. Or, yeah we had a great great feeding year or something. Well, no, that it, you can't explain that away with 800 plus eggs. So it really it, it we've come to the conclusion because the time is is right. It We've had 20. I mean, when when we first set that up and, and I was putting alligator snappers in that in that pond on this property here in 1990, the spring of 1996. Hmm. Uh, and we were not. The well, skyler was three, he's 20 now, so uh, you know, we were not the astute nest finders that we are today. Mm-hmm. So, imagine how many nests that we missed the turtles that went back into the pond, and uh, the per- small percentage of them that survived to adulthood, but you know, uh. 2019 was the first year that we saw this spike in eggs that couldn't really be explained by, oh, those females were holding back all those years.
0: Yeah. I, yeah.
1: I, I, I'm buying that. Yeah. I'm buying that. Uh, that we, we, what we've had is we've had basically, I, I guess, would you consider that an F1 generation blending into, uh, uh uh the uh pre-existing population yeah uh just kind of another mind bender thing parker that uh i always thought that the egg production in that pond would just over the decades dwindle down and right. just ebb ebb out over who knows how long maybe 60 80 who knows 100 years Now, it doesn't look like that's the case at all. We've got more coming up into the ranks of adult breeders than we are dying. I haven't had an adult die that that I've seen out there in three years or more. Wow. Um, And you see a turtle of that size (laughs) die. Yeah. Uh, They float up. Uh, But um, so in all likelihood, we're going to have to probably move some of those animals into another pond that i have on the property that's already fenced it's a great pond it's a great environment maybe even better than the one that they're in but okay. you know we just have to you know see what develops and uh you know make a make a decision down the road
0: yeah and so you're saying so a, a female um alligator snapper she'll only lay once a season is that right yes okay yeah because you know some like diamondback terrapins i think lay three or four times uh a season they're crazy super my prolific
1: they lay three or, you know two or three times a season even my, um you know some of the little stuff like razorback moss and some of the they'll 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 lay two or three two or three eggs two or three times a year
0: yeah wow that's so interesting about the snap and that's that's actually crazy to think about for you you know you've been at it so long that you got this this f1 generation all adults they're 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 breeding now
1: never would have thought
0: yeah, yeah. Well, this has been awesome, man. Thanks so much for all your time. Thanks for all you do. Seriously, this has been one of my favorite interviews because I've I've been wanting to do it so long, and I appreciate so much uh, all the work that you put in to to helping save these turtles.
1: That's the whole thing, Parker. You know, it isn't really work; it's play. Right. And that, that's a good life hack. They can't. Nobody can tell if I'm working or playing. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. When you- you got a pretty good gig going.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, awesome, man. Thanks again for your time. I, you know, I thank God for for the Loggerhead Acres uh, Turtle Farm, and uh, you know, we could talk about this more. Maybe someday we will. But for now, that's going to have to do it. And as
1: And the oh. spring, we can do something, uh, uh, and during nesting season, and people could see the the eggs and how we did.
0: Yeah. Yeah, John, I uh you, you cut out there at the end. Uh I missed the first part of that. You you were saying uh be, before you you talked about the nests.
1: Maybe in the springtime we can uh do the same thing. You can see how we put the eggs up yeah. and all that.
0: Yes, that uh, would be fantastic. People would love that. I would that would be like a, a, a lifelong dream of mine. That'd be fantastic. So yeah. We
1: get Tyler involved in that too.
0: <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Well, awesome, man. I'll let you go here. Thanks again. Appreciate all your work.
1: All right. My pleasure, Parker. Talk soon.
0: Yep.